Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. I'm telling you, something happened in our last service that I, I, it's hard to put into words. You just had to be there. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's something in today's message that is going to help you. It's going, not going to leave you where you are. So really, I'm just asking if, if you're here this morning and you came in semi-doubtful whether or not you should have stayed in bed, cancel that out of your mind. You can get your tacos later. Life is good. God is good. He's going to speak to you today. And this morning, I'm telling you, you open your heart. Let God's spirit just move in your life this morning. Something powerful is going to happen. Amen. There's residue from the last service in this service. I'm telling you, man, I'm tell- I haven't seen something like that in a very long time. God's doing something fresh this morning. Let's jump into it this morning. We have been in a series called Love Revolution. We've been talking about Jesus in this way and how he came and started a love revolution. Uh, contrary to your popular uh, favorites news channel, he did not come to start a political revolution. And it's not news to us today that he did that because that was echoed even back then, that it's not a political revolution. That's what people wanted to use Jesus for in Rome. This is what people were trying to get Jesus to do, to echo their political beliefs. It's not happening. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't come to start a success revolution. He didn't come to make your dreams come true revolution. It wasn't uh, everything's going to be okay revolution. He came to start a love revolution. Revolution. And he started it by inserting himself into this world and this life in a way that we don't think a God would do. He came down to us in our brokenness and made himself amongst us. Whereas most of us think that to get to God, we go up to him. God in his glory came down to us. God in his purity came down to us. God in his innocence and his, and his divinity came down into our broken, filthy humanity. And then he didn't just come and check out. He came and he made his life amongst us. He walked amongst us. And he showed us that love transforms the world. He showed us that the greatest act of love is sacrifice. Are you with me this morning? He showed us love in a way that we're not used to processing love that way. We're used to processing love in this way, that if someone does for us, then they're good. And if they don't do for us, then they're bad. If they gave us a deal, they're good. If they didn't, well, they're not that great of a person. They didn't give me a deal. How much is guacamole? Two bucks. Uh, You could throw that on the side or I'll charge you. He charged me. He's not a good person. That guacamole, those avocados are God's earth. Why did he have to charge me for it? He could have just given it away. No. We start to think of ways in which our selfishness can justify itself. We're not used to thinking love of that way. God came selfless and sinless, made his home amongst us made himself live amongst us. And so I, I want to talk today about how that love transforms us. Now, whether or not we believe it or not, there are things in our life that need to change. Not so that God will love us, but just because we know we want to be more like Jesus. So when Jesus said, follow me, he also said, remain in me and abide in me. So these words that we hear Jesus say... He came to us with a sense of of inviting us into this journey where he's the master, we're the student. 
That's what it means to be a disciple. A disciple literally means, in, in, in basic terms, it means student. So when we come to, to Jesus, we're coming not only as a child of God, not just someone who's loved by God, but we're approaching Jesus as a student of what he wants to teach us, what he wants to lead us in, in marriage, in life, when we're single, when we have a career, when we don't, when we're making money, when we're broke, when we're broken, when we're succeeding, whatever's going on, Jesus is saying, follow me. But he's not just saying, follow me in the sense of, hey, I'm going this way. It's remain and abide, which means stay placed, stay grounded in who he is. Does that give us a picture this morning of the big picture that God is trying to get us to see when it comes to love? That not, love is not just having a sense of, oh, that's where God is. Love is remaining in Christ as Christ remains in us. Love is powerful, man. It'll transform you. It'll transform the way you think. Anybody, um, <clears throat> the best way to see transformation is this. Whenever you see somebody... Uh, guys, I'll just speak to the dudes. Dudes, whenever you see one of your bros, all of a sudden, uh, never used hair product before, just starts using hair product. Uh, never before has he gone to the gym. He's, he's been lifting tacos, not barbells, all his life. All of a sudden, he's like judging us for our health. He's like, you guys need to work out. All of a sudden, he starts losing weight. He starts putting on new clothes. He wears a new shirt, except the new shirt still has the creases in it from where it was unfolded out of the plastic and the packet. And he, well, he's never worn a new shirt before, but he knows I'm going to wear a new shirt today. You know, what is it? What is it that we know about that guy? That guy has fallen in love. <laughs> Amen? Love transforms us. Because love starts to get us to see others a different way. And it gets us to start seeing the way we're perceived a different way. It gets us to start operating in life different than the way we were operating before. Whereas before, we loved ourselves. Like, if you, don't, if you don't love me the way I am, then so be it. This is who I am. Then it's like, so what is this hair product stuff? How does this work? See, I'm a hair product expert. I've been using this stuff since I was 13. Okay? This is not an experiment. This, isn't, this is on purpose. <laughs> like, why does this hair always look so good? I'm intentional about that since I was 13. And there's some very bad horror stories and, <laughs> about why that happened. Bad haircuts. Remember those $5 haircuts back in the 80s that everybody thought was a good deal? Yeah, that wasn't a good deal when there was no hair product and a head of hair like mine. It was a nightmare. And I got pictures to prove it from elementary school. Thank God for hair product. Love will get you to see yourself a different way. Love will get you to start treating people differently. Love will start getting you into a rhythm where you start to change. I once knew this guy that literally went from a, a J. Crew, the store J. Crew looking model type guy, clean shaven, you know, pretty much loafers, khaki, plaid, to literal. Cowboy. I'm talking tight jeans, starch shirt, boots, hat, old school, Alan Jackson, thin mustache. I mean, he literally, it was like a metamorphosis. He transformed from, from casual, preppy to kicker. I'm talking, picked up the guitar, started, I'm not joking, started speaking with a twang. He said, Danny, you play guitar, right? I said, yeah. Can you tell me what you think about this song? <laughs> I said, song? 
you mean the song? No, the song. Tell me what you think about this song. And it was horrible, by the way. But nevertheless, <laughs> love transformed that man, and he started to step outside of what he'd known into something that, that was not even him. And that, that's a funny example, you know. But, but, but think about this. Even, even when it comes to, to love, it'll cause us to sacrifice. Right? My, my, my daughter, she's, she's two now. Yesterday, she had, a blue, she had a blue mouth and blue fingers. I'm like, what are you eating? She's like, she, she can't say candy. She says, tappy. So she said, tappy. I said, I didn't give you any candy. Neither did your mother. Where did you find this? So I took it out of her mouth, and I'm washing her hands. Somehow she found some M&M or something on the floor. I don't know how old it is. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if someone came in, uh, dropped it in our house. I don't know. But it was in her mouth. And so what does love cause you to do? Love causes you to get on the carpet, and it'll cause you to just, like a ninja, like an army crawl, scan the floor looking for things so that your child does not put them in their mouth. That's what love will cause you to do. It'll cause you to sacrifice for someone you love because you don't want someone to choke on something that they found in the couch cushion. <laughs> Jesus did the same thing because he doesn't want to, you to choke on this thing called life. And he doesn't want you to choke on this thing called pursuing your dreams or living your life or chasing after everything that you think you're created to chase. He wants you to follow him and learn that love can lead you. Love doesn't leave you. Love leads you. Love transforms you. You see, whether we... Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, there's things in our life that we know need to change. Love tells us that. Loving ourselves better, loving others better. There's things in our life that we know, you know what, this needs to change, or this should have changed, or I really want this to change, or I wish this would change, or to go further, I need to change. Come on, if we're all honest, no matter what mask we're wearing today, no matter what, what way we have presented ourselves, no, no matter how beautiful our profile pic is on, on Instagram or some sort of social media, we know there's things in our life. We know it. We know there's attitudes. We know there are mindsets. We know there are habits. We know there are things that we need to change for our future, for a new relationship, for a better financial future, we know there are things that need to change. But we get good and really good at telling ourselves nothing needs to change. We get good at hiding debt. We get good at hiding bitterness. We get good at hiding depression. We get good at hiding our sorrow. We learn to live without love in this way. We learn to live with the mask, and then we get comfortable with the mask and living as a shadow of the real thing that God has called us to be. You know, there's some people that um, you probably experienced this too. There's some people that you look back in your past, and they're no longer in your life. And when you, when you look at them, you, you, you realize, let me just speak from my perspective. There's people that I've met that I don't even know if I ever saw the real person. I don't know if I ever really saw anything but a shadow of the real person. I still don't know if that person knows that they are a shadow of who they're called to be. Because for so long, they got so comfortable with deception and lies and covering. And this is getting deep this morning. Are you okay? Sorry, I don't got another message. This is where we're going today. 
And, and we get good because to be presentable is to be liked, and to be liked is to be accepted, and to be accepted is to be part of the crowd. And we say, well, you know what? That, that's for kids. That's called peer pressure. Well, we're still doing it at 50 and 60, and people are still taking their life at 40, 50, and 60, not just teenagers. There's a teenage epidemic. No, there's a soul epidemic, and it happens along the line as you get older if you don't resolve the things that happen in your teenage years and allow love to invade those places where fear is trying to take root. So God says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind, the way you think about life. Don't be conformed to the world. What is he telling us? That, that the world has a way of conforming us to itself. You ever walked into a restaurant that sells barbecue yep. for lunch? And then you go back to work and people smell you and they're like, dude, what did you eat, man? You're like, are you laying on a campfire or what? You're like, no, I just went to eat some barbecue. You can, because, because the residue of your prior environment is on top of you. It's all over you. When we're not conscious of the air that we're breathing in certain environments, we get used to toxicity and don't even know we're becoming toxic by the very nature of us just existing in the environment. I learned that by working around certain people. I learned that about working around certain environments. I learned that about myself by coming out of environments and going, I don't really like me. I don't like the way I was responding. I don't like what I was having to do. I don't like what I was having to go to to be something that exists in this environment. Have you been there before? There's a certain... The, the, the aura, the, the atmosphere of, of, of a particular place, be it a job or working under a boss or, or a company or their ideals or their morals or their motives, their motivations, that you start to live in and among that. And before you know it, you're not thinking from a place of love. You're thinking from a place of that environment. You're not thinking about what's good for other people. You're thinking about what's good for yourself. And God says... Don't be conformed to this world. Back in old school church, that meant what you wear, which is exactly the opposite of what God is saying here. We're not talking about the external. Don't look like the world. Cut your hair. And cut those sideburns off. And don't wear that shirt. Take your hat off. Almost got into a fight with an usher over a hat. I'm serious. I almost got into a fight during a prayer or with an usher. I'm telling you, man, like that, that kind of stuff putting on, on, on people. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Why? Because the world has a way of conforming us to itself. So the world exists in fear and anxiousness and stress and jealousy, and that's the way we get ahead, and that's the way we move forward. Then we just learn to mask that with great profile pics and family vacation picks. Here's my latest coffee. There's my lunch. And bam, on the inside, we are still living with the same junk that's been there six months, six years. God says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world take its shape and place its shape on you instead. Be transformed. What does this word transform mean that he uses here? Let's put that back up again. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed. The word in scripture that, that's used here for transformation actually means a metamorphosis. It's the word where we use metamorphosis, like a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. A, a change from one thing to another. When a lot of people read about transformation and they think about God, they think changing behaviors and changing actions and changing only things that people see and things that people do. Yeah. I need to stop doing this. I need to present myself this way. And it starts to create a veneer, a shadow. A picture. So you go from existing in the world with a shadow to coming into church and cleaning up and living with a shadow. Right. Living as a shadow. And this is not what he's talking about when he says transform. He's not saying change the way you think and look for the sake of everybody accepting you. He's saying change by the way you think so that your mind thinks about your life different, the way you approach, approach relationships different. The way you handle your money, differently. The way you treat people, differently. The way you see race, differently. The way you see people, differently. Change the way you think about that. Most of us don't think we have anything to change. We think we're right. We think our political opinion is right. We think we're right about people. Is that too harsh to say to us all? I mean, we say we're not judgmental. Don't judge. I'm not judgmental. We're the most judgmental people. We all judge people. We, we all judge people. I'm the most judgmental person in the world. No one would say that about ourselves, but we judge people. We judge, you know, if we, we have the tendency, if we're really fit to judge people who, who don't work out. When we start eating healthy, we judge people who are eating enchiladas. More, we're eating enchiladas, we're judging people who are eating kale. How can you eat that, man? Life is for living. You need to eat this. God created this. Tacos aren't going to be in heaven. You need to enjoy this now. So in some, in some, in some way, we're, 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 we're good at covering our own judgments and living in that place. Here's what God is trying to tell us this morning. Put it up one more time. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't let the world shape the way you think, okay? Scripture talks about the spirit of the age. Every age has a spirit. Every decade. Right? Your kids are living in the spirit of this age. They're catching stuff from the spirit of this age. They're thinking things according to the spirit of this age. But look what he said. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. Everybody's always asking, what is the will of God for my life? What is the will of God for this next season? What is the will of God for this relationship? What is the will of God for my children? What is the will of God for my life? What is the will of God for my future and the decisions I make? He's saying in order to get the will of God, there has to be a testing of what we actually think about. Because you and I both know that there are times we've thought things that are right and we're completely off. Check out your dating history. You know you were off. Can I get an amen with that? Because there was a testing that needed to take place. Oh, man, that woke up everybody. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Everybody wants to get on their knees right now. Thank you, Jesus. I did not end up with them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. There's a testing that needs to take place when it comes to the way we think. This is what God is trying to get into our heads and our hearts. That we're not always thinking the way he thinks. 
about life, about a season, about relationship. We just love what it brings to us. We're not even thinking whether or not it's good for us. Well, it's, it's, it came to me. It must be great. It must be, it must be God's will. Says who? Okay, that got scary for a second. Let me go back into this. <laughs> be transformed by the way that you think about something. Why? Because the world is trying to conform you to itself. The world is trying to conform you towards fear. God is trying to transform you to live in peace. The world is trying to conform you towards using people to get ahead. God is trying to transform you to love people and get nothing from it. Not for gain, but for his name's sake, for love's sake. Because the grace of God that was poured in you is now something that you pour back out into the world. But we're constantly bombarded with a sense of, of this conforming. Do you feel me? You, you, you feel this? We, we experience this. And it, 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 it's hard when we don't talk about it because we just we keep praying against the environment. Pray for me. I'm going into that. I'm pray for me. Yeah, it's not just prayer you need. It's the way you think about it, that it is actually working to conform you in a way that depletes your life and depletes your influence and depletes your joy and your peace. Be in the world, but not of the world. There's a difference. We're supposed to be able to see the black and white difference between what's going on where we are in the season. And it happens by how we think. You know, when people first come into Grace Avenue, and, and I get it because I was there, but a lot of times people come in with a sense of, well, they come in with different things, but a lot of times they come in with a sense of skeptic, skepticism in regard to the joy and the life that they see happening. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you, I mean, how many times in what, eight, nine years we've been doing this, I can't tell you how many times people come in and the comments are either this, I just can't believe how friendly people are, or I can't believe how friendly people are. <laughs> this can't be real. And so here's the challenge with that, is Grace Avenue has never been a church that's all about just attending, where you just show up, and then I say, hey, peace out, see you, see you next week, and then just kind of hope that you'll give and hope that you'll not do bad things and hope that whatever. That, that, that's the kind of the typical, you know, as long as they came to church, what we're actually doing is trying to live out the New Testament, and that requires relationship, and that requires community, and there's nothing that's going to transform you more than the love of community. Christian community, more than the fishing community, more than the working out community. They have their benefits. They are not bad. I'm just saying there's something in Christ where you're developed, and God designed it this way. When you read the New Testament, we're designed to transform because he calls us the body of Christ. We're not separate. I'm telling you, our independence mindset in the West, in America, is killing our spiritual fervor. Because we keep bringing it all back to us. What's God doing in me? What's God doing for me? What's he doing in my life? What's he doing for my future? God's doing something bigger yeah. through you. And this is why transformation is so important because love wants to transform you so that you can go and transform others. Jesus didn't just invade our lives so that we could be satisfied with our lives. There's something about our life he wants poured out into this world. We got one shot. This generation... 
you know, growing up in church, you hear people praying, praying for this generation and praying for that generation and the coming generation. What about this generation? I think this one's pretty messed up. <laughs> I think we need some help. Yeah. Well, when people come in and they find God, or should I say God finds them, transformation starts to happen. I want to show you a video quickly just of some beautiful people where love came in and transformed them. Check it out. So before coming to Grace Avenue, I did have a little church background, but I was neglecting my relationship with God. I blamed him for my biological father abandoning me at a very young age. So it started to create feelings that I carried with me my whole life. Met Andrew and we were friends for a good while and we started dating. And then we, later on, we found out within a year that we, I was expecting a child. We decided to keep the baby and we started a family of our own. Grew up poor, grew up in the projects, spent a lot of time in bars. Um, as a kid, you know, waiting for my dad to be done drinking and having his, having his good times. So I've never really had the um, drive or curiousness to follow God. Up until a year ago, until we started coming to Grace Avenue, um, that's when our lives just completely changed around. I remember driving by Grace Avenue Church and I just felt this tug in my heart. So I decided to try it the next Sunday. I got me and the girls and we came. I was going through a lot of emotions, seeing a lot of couples together and me just sitting there by myself knowing that my husband wouldn't come to church. So Angela had been coming to Grace Avenue for a few months um, and honestly I did see a change in her. She just seemed happy, she just seemed different, a little like fulfilled. And uh, one day uh, I got up on a Sunday before she did and I started getting dressed. She asked me, what are you doing? I'm going to go to church with you. My heart was beating. Um, I just didn't know what was going to happen. Pastor Daniel uh, was rounding up his message, and I was just trying to take everything in at first. What he said really, at that moment, was really what I needed to hear. Not holding on to the past, uh, not letting it define who I was, and that it was okay to be broken. No, understanding who God is. Jesus sacrificed for me. I wake up every morning now thankful. Since I've been to Grace Avenue after the first day of service, I told myself I wanted more of this. I've missed out so much in my life um, that I'm not going to say no. I'm always going to be a yes person because I just I want to grow. I want to be on this journey. I want to follow God. I want to be a good man. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. Being able to serve together as a family in one church, it's a feeling that I'm always going to be grateful towards the church for bringing us all together. It feels great getting up in the morning and we all put on our blue shirts coming in to serve. I love being with kids, man. Love seeing the kids come in and wanting to be part of our group. 
and I'm learning with them, which is also cool. Uh, so it's like we're learning with each other. Their love for Jesus, it makes me very happy to be there. Their prayer request really melts my heart. It was tough staying home on Sundays um, by myself because I just wasn't ready yet. And now we just wake up earlier, um, just getting ready to come to Grace Avenue. Putting Christ in the middle of our marriage and our family, it has really been such an amazing journey together where I can share with him, where I go to bow night and I can tell him how it stirred some feelings inside me. The girls, their faces are just so happy and so genuine. I'm just so grateful that one day you just decided to go to church with me. You know, Andrew gave a very sanitized version of that story right here. Uh, when we, we were actually on a mission trip to Guatemala together uh, four or five months ago, and he, he came, you know. He's new to church, new to God, everything, and he just threw himself into this mission trip. I was like, bro, do you know what you're doing? Because I don't, but yeah, you certainly should know what you're doing. And he just jumped on in, and we just served. Can I tell you that we were in these Guatemalan vi villages. It's pretty rural, rural and the whole uh, atmosphere, everything you smell constantly smells like smoke because everybody in their huts it's basically making fires, even when it's 95 degrees outside. Uh, they've got burning wood fire, like large burning wood fire, because that's how they cook their food. So they've always got to have a fire going. Uh, the water's not purified, so they're having to boil all the water. You know, any water that they get. Um, I mean, you get the picture. You know, and and so these children. Um, you know, when someone comes into the community that's different, you know, we stand out. So of all of us that, that, that could stand out, Andrew, or as they called him, Andres, led these kids like the Pied Piper through these villages. I mean, he didn't have a flute, but he certainly had charisma. And there was just something about him. They, they loved Andres when they would see him coming from afar after their, their after-school project. They would just scream out his name, Andres, and these kids would run to him and just surround him. We've got these videos of them holding onto his shirt while he's trying to walk, and there's just a line of kids following him. You know, when we got there that night, the night before, it was 2 in the morning, and we'd been on long flights. We had a late-night drive. I think we got in like at... I don't know, 8 o'clock at night. We didn't get in until like 2 in the morning. We're settling in. And then me and the guys stayed up. And we started talking. And Andrew started to share his story. And he started sharing how when he was a child, he would sleep in bar stock rooms. He would sleep outside. He would sleep in cars. And how he would sleep uh, sometimes outside his front door because the door was locked. And when he would bang on the door, nobody would answer. So he would sleep outside. And he talked about basically no male role models in his life, no connection to God, no connection to church, no community, no friendships, no understanding that anything that he's experiencing here actually exists. So when he comes into it, it's, it's another world and it's otherworldly. It just doesn't compute when you've never experienced that before, the love of God. It blows your mind. And this is where Andrew was. That, that, that was where he was at that stage in his life. And you look at him now, you look how he's progressed, you look how he's grown in God, you look how he's grown in life. Man, isn't God amazing? Can we just give God a hand for what he's doing in their lives?
Let me close with this, this statement. God wants to change you because he wants to change people through you. Andrew was impacted through other people here. The change that happened in them, they embraced. The transformation that happened in them, they embraced. Whether it was painful, whether it was something that they feared, whether it was torture, whether it was a process, whether they're still on the journey, at the end of the day, they embraced the transformation. When we look at change, and we need to change, God changes us not just so we'll change, but so others through our life will be impacted. He doesn't change us so that we're accepted by him. We're accepted through Jesus. We're accepted because of the cross. We don't change to be accepted by God. We are changed to live out the purpose of God. And this morning, I don't know what freedom you need in your life, but I want to read you this verse. Because the greatest motivation for wanting change in our life should be because we want to be more like Jesus. It's only small thinking to just be better, to just be stronger, to just try harder. That's small thinking. That's not big picture of what God's talking about here. The greatest motivation for change should be that we want to be more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you got a hold of that verse alone and what it means for your life, your entire life would change. Because where there's not freedom in your life, that's where the Spirit of the Lord wants to invade. What would happen if you invited him into that place where freedom doesn't exist, where there's captivity in your life, where you're imprisoned, where you feel there's bondage, where you feel there's been no change, where you feel you can't make headway, where you feel you can't take any ground, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Invite him in. Let the change begin. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop Googling for results. Give that, give, give that a break and say, God, would you take this place and this space and then come in and fill it? You'd be surprised what God would change. It says, and we all with unveiled face, it's referring to Moses because uh, he had a veil when he came out with the glory of God. Beholding the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image as Christ from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What does he say? Where you are today is not where you're going to be two weeks from now and two years from now and two decades from now. That is the pursuit of Jesus. You don't stay the same. You become, it says, from glory to glory as you behold Jesus, as you remain in Jesus, as you stay connected to Jesus, as you let his Spirit Fill those broken places and heal those divided places, you begin to reflect God's glory. What I'm saying is, are you, are you tired of trying to fix the brokenness? Are you tired of the mask? Are you tired of the obstinance? Are you tired of the, the skepticism? What, what, what will it take for you to step in and trust God? I'm saying this this way because I heard something this week that as a pastor, I've been saying for years, but somebody just got it and I'm actually kind of shocked. I'm actually kind of shocked. 
because I think, oh, if I said it, they probably get it. I realize it takes a while, but I've said it. And here's, here's what I'm trying to ask you. Are you tired of the mask? Are we only seeing the shadow? You're, 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 not, you're not yet stepping into that place of participation where God can get in. It's still a shadow. God wants you to tear off the mask because his transformation is something that is real and lasting. Years ago, I was sitting at a stoplight. There was a girl that was about 17. It's someone I had raised up as a youth pastor since she was about 11 or 12. I saw her growing. I saw her in the car. She was high as a kite next to this dirt bag sitting in this car. I wanted to get out of the car at the stoplight. And as the Bible says, lay hands on this guy. I was this close. And as I was, I was I'm telling you, my blood was boiling. I was going to jump out of this car and lay hands on this kid in the name of Jesus. Just lay hands on him. And it hit me. That was me. I'd forgotten. Not really forgotten. I knew that was me, but I'd forgotten. That was me nine years ago. That dirt bag was me. I was a dirt bag. And I'd forgotten how far I'd come. I'd forgotten about God's transformation. I'd forgotten how far he'd brought me, and I'd forgotten that God does some of his greatest work in chapters. if people had taken a snapshot of that time in my life, they'd have thought, where is this guy going to end up? How can this guy end up a father, a husband, a friend? How can this guy? See, we do this to ourselves. We take snapshots of our lives and we think, this is the final chapter. This is, this is as good as it gets. This is as far as God takes me. Now I'm telling you, God is still writing your story. And love is transforming your story into something that reflects his grace. I'm asking you to open yourself up to his grace. This is an avenue of grace for a reason. I'm asking you to open yourself up to God's love in a new way this morning. Let's pray. Father, would you take the places in our life where there isn't freedom and would you change us and transform us by your grace? Lord, would you teach us how to walk out the journey of following you? and boldly embracing the change, the freedom that you want to bring. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.